You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Call anytime. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text. 0457 736 736. This is Mornings, right here on SEN. Yes, very good morning, everyone. Julian King and the chair for Matty White for the final time this week before we hand over the reins to the great Matthew Johns for the Friday edition of the program. Great to have you along on SEN 1170am in Sydney and, of course, across the globe via the SEN app. The open line number to have you will say 1300 01 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, nice day in the Harbour City today, tops of 29 and mostly sunny. So it had a bit of rain the past few days. Uh, as for the traffic, well, you know, I can't say it was, I was particularly sunny as I raced into the studio here this morning. I got in, I kid you not, about three minutes into the news. Two kids drop-offs in the morning, running low on petrol, had to do an emergency petrol stop. Uh, got to bed late. Sting gig was great, by the way. Thanks for asking. I'll tell you what, if I'm looking that fit at 71 and singing that well at 71, I'll be a happy man. I'm out of breath just singing happy birthday. And he's belting them out. All the classics, Roxanne and... Every little thing she does is magic and every breath you take, a bit of I'm a legal alien, I'm an Englishman in New York and fragile. Beautiful tunes. Uh, it was at the Aware Super Theatre last night. Never been there. They're uh, just adjacent to the exhibition centre there at Darling Harbour. Lovely venue, about 9,000. Uh, but, yeah, had a good night and I woke up. Well, I got home to see that the mighty Sydney Kings trailing by 12. Got up. You know, we spoke to Chris Pongrass, their CEO, yesterday. He said, you know, forget about the losses to the 36ers. Forget about the loss to... The Perth Wildcats uh, finals, as they say in the classics, is a whole new ball game. Uh, Xavier Cook showed why he was the league MVP. Now, joining us on the program today, Luke Bratton from Sydney FC will be here. They've found their mojo, the Sky Blues. They've rocketed up to fifth spot. A lot of people are saying that they're in danger of not playing finals football. If that was the case, it might bring down the curtain of the coaching career of Steve Corica with Sydney FC. But I tell you what, three wins on the trot, including the past couple against highly fancied opponents, been the Wanderers and the Mariners. And a few people, I think, might be looking over their shoulders at Sydney FC. Bryce McGain's going to be here. Good to catch up with Brycey. I'll get his thoughts on, you know, this suggestion that do we play three spinners? He's a spinner himself. Is he backing in the spinners? Or, and we'll play a bit of what AB had to say, very revealing on Vossian Brandy about uh, not that long ago, saying three quicks, spinner, and that spinner's line, in which case you drop Todd Murphy. That is controversial. We'll discuss that on the program today. So Bryce, we're going to talk cricket. And Muddy Russell from Fox League. Be good to catch up with Matthew as well. Well, look, after an agreement was reached around the salary cap and various playing conditions for the NRL, the News Corp papers have revealed that the ARL Commission has tabled a beefed-up deal to the Code's elite stars as NRL boss Andrew Abdo and RLPA chiefs met for talks on Wednesday to finally end the CBA war on the eve of the 2023 Premiership kickoff, So, as a fan, you read that, you wipe your brow and you say, thank God. Although what's interesting about this, and I'll go through some of the details, Brandy this morning said, the article doesn't feature any quotes from Quit Newton. So is this a case again of somebody from the NRL leaking this to the media, jumping the gun? Because remember what happened last time? We've reached an agreement, and then all of a sudden later on in the day, the RLPA counters with the statement saying, hang on, no, 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 we're in advance talks, but we didn't agree on this. 
We hope it's not another case of jumping the gun because the trust relationship between the two parties is dicey at best. Bud Abdo and RLPA bosses, according to News Corp Press, will spend the next 48 hours bunkered down in high-level talks at League Central in a bid to deliver the new collective bargaining agreement after six months of protracted negotiation. So we understand peace is on the horizon. Uh, a breakthrough with this NRLW deal, this multi-million dollar NRLW deal, which has provided a stepping stone to shake hands on the first billion dollar play deal. Or pay deal, I should say. But some of the things been revealed. The final offer, $1.347 billion, a 37% increase in total player payments to the previous deal of 980 The average NRL player's proposed salary will rise by almost 63 grand this season. From a tick under three hundred thirty-nine thousand to four hundred one thousand, minimum salary will rise by sixty-three percent to one hundred twenty k, reaching one hundred forty thousand in twenty twenty-seven. The NRL has pledged to provide one hundred fifteen million to the player benefit pool, including superannuation and injury hardship funds, which we know was a sticking point. And of that one fifteen mil, an extra thirty-two mil has been set aside by the NRL pending RLPA and player delegate feedback on how to distribute the additional funds. Because remember, this is a, a, another, uh, I guess, stick in the mud. They wanted control over how these funds were going to be distributed, the RLPA I'm referring to. All I can say on the surface, well, thank God, if these are to be believed and an agreement has indeed been reached. Strike action we knew was always going to be a bridge too far. And the, the adults have arrived in the room, we think. And the fans, everyone in this room, everyone listening to the program this morning are breathing a collective sigh of relief. 0457 736 736 is that text line number. I caught this in Fox because I know every time you mention the Tigers in the program, uh, it gets a lot of traction. Uh, James Hooper wrote this. He says, with a clock ticking on a Mitch Moses contract decision, worth noting that apparently there's almost well, more than a $2 million difference in the tug of war between the Eels and the Tigers for the services of Mitch Moses. So I know the Tigers are keen on landing a marquee playmaker to help guide the club back to the finals. Prepared to offer Moses a five-year deal valued at around 1.3 mil per season. Parramatta made the grand final. First grand final in 13 years. Little off that mark. Four-year deal around 1.1 mil. So five years at 1.3 mil. The Tigers offer, allegedly. Four-year deal, 1.1 mil. That's what Parramatta are putting on the table. So you do the maths, get out the calculator. The Tigers' offer ends up being 6.5 mil compared to the Parramatta Eels' 4.4. So $2.1 million difference and another year. And, of course, we discussed this last week. Moses told the media, you know, the decision will be based on winning premierships rather than money. But 2.1's a lot of dough. If you're a Tigers fan, you're prepared to pay $1.3 million over five years for Mitch Moses. Parramatta, are you happy to pay 1.1 mil over four years for Mitch Moses? What's your ceiling? He's a very good player, Mitchell Moses, no question, but he's not Nathan Cleary. He's going to turn 29 in September. He should be peaking right now. And last year was a breakout season, I thought, for Moses. But that's fascinating, which Tigers fans. Are you paying overs to secure the services of a former Tiger in Mitchell Moses? How desperate are you to get him? How desperate are you? Do, do you need him at the club? 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Of course, Peter Bowles, the big story yesterday. You know, it's interesting. Um, and I know Missile was on 
in place of brandy on breakfast yesterday, and they're, they're talking, and people are suggesting, you know, does say does he take legal action against Sport Integrity Australia? There is an assumption, not by everyone. We did our best to clarify it yesterday. There is an assumption, though, that somehow he's out of the woods. That, oh, yeah, negative V sample, therefore, uh, no, I'm sweet, prove my innocence. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Actually, there's a really good explainer on The Guardian today by Kieran Pender, who does some really good work. And he wrote that the initial outpouring of relief that an Olympic hero was not only a doping cheat, tempered by a subsequent statement from Sport Integrity Australia, that Bowles B sample had returned an atypical finding or an ATF. That is not a negative finding, it's an atypical finding. Important distinction. So, yeah, his provisional suspension has been lifted, he can train, he's looking at the worlds, but the investigation remains ongoing. So the race isn't over yet. So there's a few things to, to unpeel here, right? So the A sample tested positive for EPO, an artificial form of EPO, and EPO is naturally occurring, red flag. B sample, atypical finding. So Sport Integrity Australia at pains to clarify that, no, that ATF is not the same as a negative test result. And a lot of people, and me included, were happy to see that when he released his statement earlier this week, Peter Bolt. They think, oh, he's out of the woods. But it's important to, to clarify the difference here. A negative result is not the same as an atypical finding. And there's all sorts of technical standards. I mean, you go through the, the details and the paperwork, it's enough to give a Panadol a headache. But they say, when the result of a B sample do not fulfil the quality and indication criteria described in the technical standards, the, return, the result is returned as negative. And that renders a positive A sample a false positive which is vindication for someone like Bowl who retains their innocence. An ATF, on the other hand, is recorded when testing results are inconclusive. So it wasn't negative, it was inconclusive. And there are a number of reasons why it may come up inconclusive, including the presence of what they call interferences. They say band intensity too low to ensure reliable identification. So it's not entirely accurate then to say, as Bowl did, and we all believed him, that he was hopeful that the process would exonerate me. That's what he said in his words. This morning, I'm relieved to report that it did. But a really important distinction, an ATF is not a positive result, but Bolin and supporters can take relief from that, but it is not a negative result either. So this process continues. And Sport Integrity Australia's statement indicated that its investigation does remain ongoing. No time frame specified at this stage, although a hearing is scheduled for next month. So, okay, a couple of possible outcomes here. Sport Integrity Australia can determine that Peter Bowl has not committed any anti-doping rule violation, close its investigation, bang, done. And then the nightmare's over. Alternatively, Sport Integrity Australia could reach the view that Bowl's combined positive and atypical finding results suggested still a possible violation and proceed to take action. I hope it wouldn't come to that. If it did, you can guarantee a legal fight would ensue. But then you read in the Sydney Morning Herald, they reported that Bowl had contradictory EPO testing results in 2021. One lab identifying a minor positive, another concluding the same sample was negative. Apparently he wasn't aware of this, Peter Bowl, until now, but may suggest naturally occurring high levels of EPO within his body. So we'll just get wait. We'll just have to wait and see the outcome of this. But I just wanted to double down on this today, saying no, it wasn't a negative result. It was an atypical finding, 
and there is a difference. So the case is not shut. It is sent to a different lab for further testing. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number and the open line number today, 1300 01 1170. And we've got another Signal Boost Power Bank to give away two cents. We do. Beautiful. Beautiful. I don't know. Who, who did we give the Kings tickets to yesterday? Tell me the break, but I'll tell you what, if you got there, what a night out. What a night out. Now, to the cricket. It all commences Friday, second test in Delhi. As we mentioned, no one's won there since 87. It was my uh, snap judgment for snap fitness yesterday. So says that Australia's going to win the test. Yeah, some glasses half full kind of guys you could ascertain. Uh, Pete Lawler, who's part of our commentary team, part of the team here at SEN, he had this to say. He said, well, Australia's chances in the second test suffered a setback on arrival in Delhi. Mitchell Stark, apparently not totally confident he will play. Remember all the talk was, Nada, missed the first test, he'll be right for the second test. He's not confident he's going to play. Cameron Green doing some training drills. No guarantee that Cameron Green's going to be fit. And if he's fit, no guarantee he's going to bowl. And that has completely upset the balance of this team because they wanted Green to be able to bowl so they could pick their two spinners. Early inspection of the wicket reveals an area sedated in the middle where the seamers pitch. And there's a, a bit of a crack, they reckon, that'll open up right on a good length for spinners. And, of course, you can't ask the, the local curators for any favours, can you? Stark was hoping he'd be available. Selectors are hoping he'd be available. We heard from Scott Boland yesterday saying, I assume Stark would be right. Because he, he damaged that ligament in the MCG test, flew in a few days ago, having that split removed. Hasn't quite, unfortunately, for Mitchell Stark, responded as he expected. And he did say, Starkey, there's a fair bit of restriction there. It is progressing each day. But by his own admission, probably had uh, different expectations coming out of the split. And so it hadn't healed as well as you'd hope. So it's still progressing. He says it's on track. We'll see how it goes. But it doesn't fill you with confidence, does it, as, as an Aussie cricket fan? Because if they win this test, India, trophy's gone because they hold it. Four test series. We desperately need a left arm. We desperately need an exponent to reverse swing. And he goes on to say, Starkey, look, there's still a few boxes to tick. I'll give it a real good test today, see how it comes back and spills. Hasn't tested it yet. And they're down one nil, as we said, but it is all on the line. And selectors are going to be compelled to take a few risks with Stark and the all-rounder Green. And Cam Green in particular, they're keeping him in cotton wool for as long as possible, just to obviously rule out any further damage to that broken finger, which was sustained in that Melbourne test. And the pair bowled in the centre wicket with Cummins and Boland. And we assume Boland's a man to lose his place if Stark is fit. I know this was sort of disgust or thrown out there, but the Daily Telegraph sport yesterday, oh, could the unthinkable happen, drop Pat Cummins? No, no, it wouldn't. If Green comes back, uh, Renshaw would be the man to make way. But David Warner, are you dropping David Warner? I know we discussed this yesterday. He's a very polarising figure, particularly on our text line. And then Alan Border. I don't know if you caught AB's chat with Vossie and Brandy this morning. And he's always very forthright, and I love Alan Robert Border. And I was listening to this as I was, um, you know, trying to suppress all my road rage dealing with city <laughs> traffic on the way in to the program this morning. But the great AB spoke this morning on Breakfast to Vossie and Bandy about the changes he would make for that second test. I know the wicket's going to turn, but I just reckon the formula that for us to be successful... Three quickies, the one spinner. Really work hard on your field positions, you know, where you think you might be getting them out, uh, etc. You know, short catches, you know, 
couple of you know, mid-wicket, you know, just bowl stump to stump and just be relentless, you know, in that sort of uh, tactic. I think that's going to work better for us and trying to beat them with spin. We've tried that forever and ever and it hasn't worked. You know, that formula, I think, is, to me, just not working. We need to go back to what does work and that's with our quickies. You know, it's funny you says that. Michael Kraspovich was saying the same thing. No, three quicks and a spinner. You play to your strengths. Oh, I get that. I've got no problem with two spinners. I think two spinners can work well. But do you agree with Alan Border? Go back to three quicks and play the one spinner. And then if, if you pick Travis Head, for example, rely on the part-time spin of Travis Head and Marnus and, and Smithy, perhaps. I don't know. So if you're picking three quicks, well, presuming Stark's out, Cummins, Boland to your two. Right? He's dropping AB. He's dropping Todd Murphy. Unthinkable. He's got seven wickets. You want to drop Todd Murphy? You know, we made this mistake with Travis Head, you know, and I use this quote all the time, and it's really stuck with me, the great hockey coach and former first-class cricketer and parliamentarian, Rick Charlesworth. He said, you can't ignore form. You can't ignore form. So if Stark's not fit, we're going to go with what? Cummins, Boland, and the wild thing, Lance Morris? It's a baptism of fire. Cummins, Boland, Lance Morris, and Nathan Lyon, for example, if Stark's not fit. That's who AB is suggesting we pick for that second test in Delhi. I don't know about that. I think now, this is the thing. We made this point yesterday. They've painted themselves in the corner here, selectors, because they were adamant they got their selections right. It comes to the point now where they have to swallow their pride because it's all or nothing. Now, if they lose this test, the series is gone. Pick Travis Head. Decide what you want to do with Warner. Give him one more test if you have to. Head has to play. And I think Renshaw... Lost a bit of skin. I thought he was very underwhelming in both innings, and I'm a big fan of Matt Renshaw. Not sure how you could pick him again. If Cam Green's fit, you're picking Cam Green and pray that he can bowl. Tell you what, I'm happy I'm not a selector at the moment. I tend to flip-flop over these selections. I just You cannot fathom the dropping of Todd Murphy. And as loath as I am to disagree with Alan Border, I can't drop Todd Murphy. But Nathan Lyon needs to step up. Get your selectors hat on. We're all armchair selectors, aren't we? 0457 736 736. And Tigers fans too. Mitch Moses. 1.3 mil for five years. So over the course of that contract, there's $2.1 million more than what Parramatta would have offered him. Is he worth it? Is he the missing piece? Mitch Moses. And the open line, 1300 01 1170. I did mention the missile. He's back this afternoon for the run home with Joel K. Where's Bearshead? It's a good gig, isn't he? He just rocks up a couple of days a week. Does a couple of funny promos and on his way. Doesn't he have the life? Jules in the chair for Matty White this Thursday. Take our first break.